Welcome to Ladies Roadmap Podcast. Are you at the point in life where you finally have the time to think about your dreams and desires, but maybe you don't even know what those are anymore? If you're ready for positive change and an enriched life, then come along as we interview thought-provoking guests that will inspire and motivate you. We are also going to bring you practical steps on how to use journaling to illuminate your thoughts, which can then turn your dreams into reality. Hello, ladies, and welcome to Ladies Roadmap. We are so happy you're with us, and we just want you to know how much we appreciate you joining us. And we have a great show for you today. We have Tasha Powell, and Tasha is a chef and food stylist who received her training and graduated from Le Cordon Bleu in the south of France, which sounds fabulous in and of itself. And she enjoys working with celebrity chefs, cooking and styling for cookbook authors. She is also busy working between North America and France all the time. So Tasha is going to tell us all about some of her um, adventures. And she also has these amazing international culinary tours that she does with her partner, who she'll tell us about, and her partner, Barbara, lives in Provence full-time. So we can't wait to hear all about all these yummy, yummy things, and we can't wait to hear about these tours. So welcome, Tasha. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Tasha, where are you calling us from? I am in Puy-Ricard, which is a little village north of Aix-en-Provence. So I'm right in the thick of Provence tonight. And uh, it's lovely here. We had a wonderful sunny day, and uh, I just love Provence. I light up here. It's <laughs> it uh, it's just a wonderful part of the world. I mean, who doesn't? It is amazing. Now, are you're not living there full time right now? No, I I spend between three and five months a year in Provence. It depends on what's going on and how many tours there are in a given year. So. But I've been here since uh, the 2nd of September, and I'll be here until December 1st. Okay. Well, you know, obviously then you're traveling back and forth a lot. Now, where do you live when you're not in Provence? I'm in Manhattan Beach. Oh, okay. So you're right here in California. Great. We'll we'll get to meet you. Well, now, this, this job of yours or business of yours is definitely a dream job. So take us back a little and give us some history on how this all came about because you originally, from reading and studying about you, were not in the food world. And so we want to know how you went this direction. Well, that's a, it's a great question and an interesting path. I was director of product development for a company called Bravo Sports, and I was in charge of children's products. So I would develop and design products such as scooters and skates. And I worked with companies such as Nickelodeon and Disney and Mattel. And uh, I traveled quite a bit to trade shows and to China. And it was a very corporate job, although it gave me some creative freedom too. And I think the fifth year in, I I started to have an itch, a culinary itch, And I decided to take classes at the New School of of Cooking in Culver City. And that was just an amazing experience for me. So I spent about two years taking cooking classes there. And it didn't didn't satisfy me. I wanted more. I wanted to go to a professional program. So after seven years of that particular job at Bravo Sports, 
and a lot of influence from the Food Network, I decided to jump in and go to Le Cordon Bleu. And I actually went to Le Cordon Bleu in Hollywood, but finished in the south of France. So I did what's called a stage in the south of France. So I studied in, in California and then uh, finished at a Michelin star restaurant here. So okay, so was, I know that, every, <laughs> that is so exciting. And I know everyone's probably wondering, do you have to, um, apply, when you apply for the Cordon Bleu, even in LA, is there a special um, process that you have to go through? Do you have to have experience? What, what is that like? Well, it's actually an easy process. There's some testing, there's interviews, and uh, I think they, you know, I think it's pretty easy to get in, but but I think it's hard to stay in because a lot of people have it in their minds. Oh, it's cooking school. You you show up, you cook, you go home. Well, it's it's not like that at all. I mean, you do show up, you cook, you you're evaluated, you give presentations. It's it's back at being in school. And what I what I noticed was once the pastry session started, a lot of people failed because pastry is precise, it's difficult, you really have to pay attention. That Cooking would be me. A- <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not bake because of just what you said. I would it's, fail. You have to measure everything, you have to pay attention. And I, I noticed that we had four people fail that class and they were just out. So um so it is, it's, it's a journey in itself. There's a lot of studying. There's a lot of testing and uh, it's, it's fun. It's rewarding. Uh, a lot of the, the homework is done online. So that was an adjustment for me. So I have a question, you know, sorry to Jamie, um, just real quick. I have one that kind of leads in. We don't, you know, we, we feel like we're ageless women here. So we don't typically talk about necessarily an age, However, I find this so fascinating because what you're doing is so is the dream of so many women. Oh my gosh, I want to be in France and Provence and I want to want to be a chef. I mean, this you it sounds like you did this whole reinvention not that long ago. So what gave you the ability or let's say maybe even the kahunas if you will to make that kind of a switch later in life like that? Well, I had a vision. I had a lot of nerve. And I think if I, if I had read all of Anthony Bourdain's books before I made this switch, I may have changed my mind. <laughs> we know that one. We, right, Judge Amy? Oh, we always say that ignorance is, ignorance is bliss. That's <laughs> so that worked in my favor because uh, of, as a tribute to Anthony Bourdain, I'm rereading all his books and there's a lot of insight there. But to, to really answer your question... Uh, the culinary business is tough. It's it's as tough as as you hear it is, and it's physical. So I I knew going in that I was at the age that I was I was changing my career, and I I was too old to take the path to be a top chef. I I knew that I I I did have that awareness, but I was open because my background is marketing and advertising and product development. I. I knew I could put my skills together somehow, some way. And early on, when I was at Le Cordon Bleu, I became friends with one of the gals who is in recruitment. And she said to me, you know, do you know that 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 top chef, that iron chef, Kakora? And I said, well, yeah, who doesn't know her? And she, and they, she said, well, there's this opportunity to work on this, this film production with Kakora, and they need a team of 
of stylists and people to prep in the kitchen. And it's for a production. It's, it was actually for a cooking app uh, that was being produced. And I jumped on that and I got involved in production, in entertainment, in that side of cooking. And I really liked it. And I thought, this is for me. I love the deadlines. I love the celebrity aspect of it. I love the, the rush of it. And, and I must say, food styling is a very physical job, but I, my answer to this, to that, just like everything is you have to pace yourself. Right. So, so I chose a different path early on and I'm still on that path. Of course, it, it, it sort of weaves and curves and goes different ways, but it's been very rewarding and it's been really exciting. So, well, I was I just wondering what it was in class. What did you find that your talent was that you stood out in class? What was it in that, that you had that seemed like you stood out from others in your class? I had the determination, I believe when you go back to school as an adult and you, you have a vision and you're changing your life and you're looking to start a new business, that you go back in a different way. I mean, I, you know, I went back and I was, I was paying for uh, this education and it's a, it's a large chunk of money. And so I took it quite serious, seriously, as opposed to some of the other younger students in the class who mom and dad were paying for their tuition, you know, they showed up, you know, they weren't really that involved. I mean, of course, there's always the exception. There were some yeah. very dedicated younger students too. But when you see someone going as a, as a career changer, there's, there's kind of a fire in that person. There's oh, a dedication. Sure. And, and, you know, you know, to a certain level, the clock is ticking. You know, you, you got to go in, get this education, and then, you know, pivot and make that into something else. So I was serious. I mean, I had fun, but I was also serious. So speaking of the pivot, were the people in your life, were, did you have any naysayers or people that kind of looked at you like, are you nuts? Yes, I had so many. Uh, so I sort of, I sort of had a retreat for a year. And uh, I just told everybody, I, I made the decision to go to the 6 a.m. class for one thing. And uh, so I was up about 4.30, 5 every morning, mostly to avoid traffic, but mm -hmm. also just to, to get it to get it done. And then I had some, I was still doing some freelance work in the afternoon, studying and then going to bed early. So I sort of retreated for a year and then I made an announcement, I'm, I'm done, I'm back, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting. My, my boyfriend, David, was very supportive uh, at some of the evenings. He was my study partner. So you really have to, you just have to dig in. You yeah, have that to was, well, that was really hard for him that he had to eat all your fabulous <laughs> French cooking or your food. That's a hard job. It was a hard job for him. Uh, and then when I got to France, it was funny because I was, I, I decided to do two stages, which is an, an externship or an internship. And uh, it was funny because one was a, a Michelin star restaurant. And then I worked at another restaurant that gave me a lot of freedom. And they were just so excited to have this American with ideas in the restaurant. They, they gave me a lot of freedom. But I was at the hair salon in this little village in France. And I met another American. I told her what I was doing at my age. And she said, oh, my God you're completely nuts. <laughs> and, I love it. and she said, and all the other French women you will meet will think the same way. 
and of course, you know, ignorance was bliss and I just carried on and, and, uh, and, you know, I That's was great. in a star restaurant. It was like working in an emergency room. Everything's very serious. You cannot make a mistake. And if you do, there's yelling and screaming. I'm did, sure did, we've seen did, those shows. Yes, we have. <laughs> now, did you have to learn French or were you, did you already know it? Well, I knew a lot of French. I was a, a French major at Penn State University, University, so I had a very good base. And uh, what I didn't realize, though, was when I walked into a professional French kitchen, there were words that I wish I would have studied beforehand. Uh, for example, piano. You know, you think it's a piano, but it's, it's actually the French word for stove. Uh, there was a coup de poudre. And I, I kept saying, well, you know, what is a coup de poule? They were, it's a bowl, but when you translate it, it's the ass of a chicken, a round ass of a chicken. I said, you've got to be kidding. Because, uh, I, you know, they also like to, to sort of take, take the fun out of the new person. But uh, there were, la planche is a, is a cutting board. I wish I would have known some of the very specific culinary words, but my French has improved so greatly. I've been doing this now for seven years, going back and forth to Europe uh, on a regular basis. And I have a new attitude. The last couple of years, my attitude is I may not speak it perfectly, but I insist and I will communicate and I won't stop. I will just keep talking until my point is, is, is understood. But right. my, I'm, I'm almost fluent at this point. That's great. And you know, they appreciate it. They appreciate that you're trying to speak in their language. Let's, I want to circle back around to the food styling because growing up, I grew up in the print world and I would be on sets and I would see over on another set, all of the food shooting going on, <clears throat> photo, photo shooting. And I'd see the stylist and I, and I always was amazed at how much work went into styling that one little piece of food, right? And making it look perfect. And I just wondered, you know, people don't really think about it that much when they see photos, photographs of food. And I thought maybe you could tell everyone a little bit about how you do keep that food looking fresh for that hour or two hours for the shoot and, and how you get that perfect shot. Well, there's a lot of secrets in food styling, and I always tell someone who's on a set and they're working with other stylists or observing not to eat the food because you have no idea what we may have done to it or with it or sprayed <laughs> onto it. Yeah, they used to um, say that. <laughs> <laughs> mostly, what, mostly what we do is undercook everything, especially all the meats. Uh, we, we paint with oils and sometimes different fluids for about lack of a better word. Um, we create, we recreate like ice cream is made with um, cornstarch um, and Crisco and, and sugar. So powdered sugar. So we make that and we dye it with the correct dye because it'll set there under hot lights for hours and hours. We even create like drips out of yogurt on the side if we need it. But a lot of things are undercooked. Um, they're also deconstructed. We, you may work with a food vendor who, food vendor who has a stew, for example. Well, we we go into that stew. We either recreate the stew from scratch or deconstruct it and reconstruct it. And uh, there's also a lot of false bottoms because you don't need to create an entire 
cup of soup, uh, you mm-hmm. can create a false bottom and just create a, you know, an inch on the top. So it's like a whole, it's like a whole other field. I mean, you've got to learn chemistry. It sounds like to be able to really be a food stylist almost. It's chemistry and art. Um, you know, at, at first when I got into the profession, I was, I was a little shocked I, for, I was shocked because I wasn't cooking it properly. I'd just gone to culinary school and I, I was being asked to do things to food that just didn't make sense to me. Um, I wasn't salting food, for example, and salt is so important uh, in layering and the, and the taste of food. Um, so so it, it really is, it's being a magician, it's being a chemist, and it's, it's being an artist. Well, well I don't know. And you have to be a cook too, because you, if you have to recreate, you know, a crepe Suzette, you have to know how to do that. So yeah, you can't just do the, the other part. Right. It's a mixed bag. Well, we were wondering, we're sure you have a few funny stories from your set experiences. Is, Is there something that comes to mind that you could share with us? Yes. And this is a recent experience. I was called by a friend of mine recommend recommended me for a job and I was so excited and I got this call and the production manager said to me can you carve a shark out of a watermelon I said sure I, I said but if you want a very intricate Japanese style that's not my forte but I I can certainly carve a menacing looking shark out of a watermelon so I actually just I ran to the spore bought a watermelon carved it took a shot and sent it in and then he said that's great. We'll probably need three next week for commercial. And uh, I said, great. And then uh, I got a call from the creative director the next day. And she said, you know, I've been thinking about this one scene. And she said, I really want to have an ocean. And I said, well, I could build an ocean out of blue colored jello. Uh, but I, I need I need to build this, you know, a stand to put that on. And she said, I would like some waves carved out, carved out of a watermelon to look like waves around the, in the ocean. And uh, she said, I'd also like a tropical island made out of fruit. Can you do that? And so at the same time, I'm on my computer thinking of this and I just say, yes, I just of course. say, yes, I can do it. And I'm on my computer and I see, I see this, this image of a banana that's been cut with uh, that looks like a dolphin and he has a grape in his mouth. And I said, would you like some dolphins, you know, with a jumping out of this ocean, holding, you know, grapes in their mouth? And she goes, yeah, that's a great idea. So this job tripled and quadrupled in size. And then, uh, you know, she called me on the, on the Sunday when I'm furiously carving all these things. And she said, you know, I really think we, we need you on set too. And uh, it was a union set and I'm not union. She said, you need to come. And I had a whole van full of, of props that I put together in one hour. And it was, it was magic. It was so, it was so magical and they were so happy and I was so happy, but uh, it was, it was fun to be involved with the process and allow it to grow together as a team. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, it sounds like it did, it did grow. Um, before we go on, I wanted to really talk to the ladies because I think, don't Jamie, don't you think that everyone's going to want to hear about her culinary adventures? So we want you to tell us about, first of all, tell us about how you met your 
partner, Barbara, because I'm sure you're spending a lot of time over there. And when you were in school, have you used your, were you, if you really used your network of people that you met while you were going to school to sort of grow all of these different ventures that you have now? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, So I was, I I had met, uh, I had met a, a bunch of friends the first year I was here. And the sex so that so this but I was working nonstop. The second year I was here, one of my friends called me. I just arrived into to France, and she said, "I have this friend Barbara. She's having this dinner party. She's a great cook. Can you come?" And it was it was out of a it was out of your favorite dream of Provence and what that should look like. So I showed up at this party. It was a dinner party for, I would say a. 14 people and it was meticulously designed and uh of course barbara is a great cook and she's got a beautiful home which she built herself with her husband in agui which is in provence not too far from here so that's how i met barbara i mean i was she she has a, a very calm style about her she's a great entertainer and I, I was just so impressed with her, and I started talking about talking to her. She had been in Provence for 11 years. She's Canadian, and her husband is a fusion scientist, and uh, so that's why she's here. She's also an artist, uh, but we, we became friends, and we started t- talking about how maybe we could combine our interests and our talents and we came up with culinary tours. And so And still have fun, it sounds like. And have fun and have fun. And really give our friends and women an excuse to go somewhere new, learn how to cook. And and uh, the retreat we have coming up in Morocco is cooking and yoga. So, you know, it's good to relax as well. A lot of our friends live in major cities. So get out of the urban life for for a moment. And what we've discovered is, is people like to cook, but they actually like to eat and they like to bond. And, you know, it, you, you go in with one idea where you're getting these women together, but you leave almost a different person. You know, you're, you're bonded at, at such a, a, a deep level. And uh, we had a great time in, in Sicily last year. We made cannolis. We had one person who hated to cook and yet, because of her love of cannolis and all food in general. I mean, it was just very special for everybody. You know, um, so can you tell us really more about this one coming up in Marrakesh? It, how, how does that work? Do you, do you, where do you fly into? Where do you stay? How many people? So the trip coming up uh, in Marrakesh is, uh, is coming up the, the 10th of November. It's six days, five nights. We stay in Marrakesh. We stay at a Riyadh. So Riyadh is one of the Marrakesh architectural designs where there's a center courtyard and they're beautifully designed with a lot of Moroccan tiles. So it's it's a gorgeous place. Um, I've been to Morocco before. I haven't been, the, the name of the place is Lake Claude des Arts and I haven't been there specifically before, but um, it was re- recommended to us and Barbara has friends who have stayed there. So we will be in Marrakesh. We will be having uh, four four cooking lessons, 
five yoga classes, and then there's a wine and food pairing. So we'll really be going over the Moroccan style of foods, pastilla, tangines, couscous, and, and that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a great opportunity, and we're so excited. You know, I wanted to, this is so funny. You're talking about how you met your friend Barbara, your partner. And all of a sudden, my, I have this flashback when I was first married. Um, my husband, and I ended up moving to a town. I didn't know anybody. And um, we were newlyweds and he had a few friends there. I didn't have anybody. And I called my mother in tears one day and I said, what am I going to do? I'm just feeling very frustrated here. And she goes, you need to go take a cooking class. So I <laughs> went to the Maison cooking school in Orange County. and. I looked around the room and everybody was much older than I was, believe it or not, because it was a recreational class. And there was one gal that was my age, but she was pregnant. I ran over to her and I said, okay, you and I are going to be partners. And she goes, oh no, you don't want to be my partner. I don't know how to cook at all. And so I said, (laughs) I sort of know how, so let's do it. So anyway, that's what happened. I ended up being best friends with her. And uh, for, for many years. And so that was funny. So you do, you bond with cooking. You don't have to know how to cook. Like you said, you just have to have a love of food or it, a love of eating. A love yeah. of eating. Yeah. Yeah. A love of eating. A love of eating and well, a love of traveling. Yeah. And so back to the traveling thing, you know, November 10th is coming up. So we'll all be missing probably that one. What is your next trip you're planning? The next or, trip is say, um, tour. March, the next tour is March 5th. Okay. Yes. Oh, you're so, going to go to Marrakesh again? Yeah, I'm going to just uh, iron out any any last minute, uh, you know, changes for the program. And we're going to offer it again because uh, we really feel that this is going to be a, a good one. So we'll do it two in a row. Yeah, you have to let us know how, how well it goes so we can decide if Marrakesh is the one we want or... A future. Yeah. I, Jamie and I would have a blast on a trip like that. Well, you know, I think as Americans, you know, we don't know a lot about the tangine. That's the, isn't that like the, the, that's the pot that you cook the food in. And that's yes. not something that we really learn how to use. I would be totally game for that one. Yes, yes. Uh, and I have cooked a, l- a little bit of Moroccan food with tangines. And they also have such what I love about being in Europe and being in, in different places of the world, you learn the products. So they cook a lot with lemon confit, which is pr- preserved lemons. And it gives such an amazing and rich depth to the to the dishes and the I, I have to stop you because just the other day jo Jamie was doing a dinner party for her family and she said Lana I'm making this this Moroccan stew and she said oddly enough the 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 ingredient that makes it so amazing are these little preserved lemons <laughs> she told me all about it it's true. It's all true. It's, it's a, a game, game changer. It's a game so, do you, so do you buy them here? Do you use them when you're here? I do. In fact, um, I have I have a, a contact in San Francisco, and she imports. Uh, she is Moroccan, and she imports, and she's my supplier. So I do have a contact. Or you know what? A friend of mine makes them. I can make it too. So I but, haven't made it yet. For people, for people that are out there that might want to try using that in their cooking, where can they find it? You find it at a, a gourmet shop typically. Um, so, you know, that's, or, or, are, or online. And are they just called preserved lemons or do preserved they have another lemons. name? Preserved lemons. Well, Pretty simple, ladies. Yes, preserved lemons. That's great. Lemon coffee in French, but, you know. You know, um, 
it's funny we it's become it kind of become a theme and we had no we didn't we didn't even weren't even looking for it but we keep meeting people that are either expats or know of expats and i'm wondering maybe this is because of our age that that we're meeting more of these expats because you know a lot i mean who wouldn't want to go live in provence or some fabulous place and drink wine it makes me just want to go drink wine and eat food and get fat <laughs> And have fun. <laughs> you won't get fat. There's just too much to do. <laughs> I love it. That's- By the way, I was going to mention how you look. Go- people you should see, uh, you look just gorgeous. You have a fantastic figure. But it is funny about when you go to Europe. I don't know if it's because the, the food is fresher. They don't put as much preservative as it is. You could eat and eat and eat and never get fat over there for some reason. Well, I have a couple of theories. First of all, I do cycle and I, I go to an exercise studio. So I, I do those things. But my, my theory here is there's not a lot of snacking. And unless you're in a major city, you eat, you eat breakfast and you eat lunch. But after two o'clock, that's it. It's oh, that's why. That's why. Yeah, if you don't eat late at night, it makes all the difference. Yes. So uh, the, the the Europeans do have a secret. I mean, it's starting to change. Of course, there's more and more fast foods, but f- but for the for the traditional uh, Europeans, you know, they don't. I mean, they they don't really snack. Sometimes people have a late pastry or an. A, an early apero, which is, you know, drinks, cocktails and, mm-hmm. and appetizers. But they're, yeah, they're lighter at night. Well, how about this? I know since you're such a great chef, our ladies would love this because I'm always wondering if I just want to give a, a nice dinner party, but I'm super busy. I don't want to spend the entire day in the kitchen, but I want it to look and taste amazing you know, look more complex than it is, let's say, what would you, what do you have maybe a go-to that will impress guests, but maybe doesn't have so many ingredients and isn't too difficult to prepare? Well, since I'm in Provence right now, and uh, I'm very influenced by my ingredients that are available, my go-tos at the moment are uh, lamb shanks, so it's called a surri d'agneau, and you slow cook it in the oven for at least five hours, five to seven hours. So you can prepare it in the morning and then let it go. So, so that's lamb, and uh, with that, there's there's a ratatouille that I just love to make. But it's it's if you remember the movie, the the style that's cut and sliced around an oval bowl or a round bowl. It's very easy to make. You, you use a little bit of garlic, you use balsamic vinegar, a little fresh mint, and it's something that you also roast in the oven. People are always, I mean, they're blown away. They're, they're totally impressed with that. There's a new thing that I learned this year, which is called a tarte de soleil, and you use puff pastry. So you, you, you can buy puff pastry in the store. Um, I think Trader Joe's still carries it in the in their frozen section so you buy two boxes of puff pastry they're round and uh you you uh put uh onion cooked onions onion i was going to say onion confit but cooked onions or you can use cheese and nuts and what you do i have to send you a picture of this because it's something that you might want to put with your information, but you cut it and you twirl it. And so when it bakes and puffs up, it looks like the sun. 
and it's, it's simply gorgeous. It takes about 20 minutes to prepare. You're, the guests that I've had so far this year, they all went completely crazy. Well, if you, you would share us, if you would share that with us and with a photo, we will put that in the show notes for everybody to download. That would be fantastic. That would be so much fun. And because I can't even really even imagine what that is. It sounds it sounds beautiful and it sounds delicious. It's, it's so beautiful. It's it's great for an appetizer and sort of that's my that's my go to uh, appetizer. There you go. But wait, yes. you said this is something that you learned this year. Is this something you made up or is this something that you found? No, I, I, I found a, a woman, a, a lady from um, Dublin who was teaching a class in a town called Uzez. And I just thought, I'm going to go and see, see what she's doing because this industry, it's, it's all about learning, constantly learning, networking, meeting new people, seeing what other people are doing. So um, I met a lady named Petra and she showed me how to do this. And I think it's a life changer. I think it is a life changer. Yeah, because that was my, going to be my next question, actually, is I find appetizers to be a pain, you know, and it's like, oh, what am I going to do as an appetizer now? And so this sounds beautiful, impressive, and super yummy. So that's great. Thank yes. you for that. Sure. Well, you know, Tasha, you're an inspiration to us all living this beautiful life and creating so much beauty and yummy food for everyone. Tell us what you do to stay ageless in mind and spirit in your daily life. Well, I, I mentioned that there's a, there's a place that I go uh, to exercise. They have a Pilates mat class. It's, uh, that does keep me centered. I do every day find time alone to kind of regroup and be creative um, I do cycle quite a bit and I take a lot of walks. It's, it's beautiful here in Provence. I, I take walks everywhere. But between yoga, Pilates, cycling, walking, and downtime, that's kind of what nourishes my body and my mind. And I think it's super important for all of us to do it every day. And if if you can meditate every day as well, I, I highly recommend that. I try to meditate twice a day because I think sometimes for me anyway, I have this idea, I have this other idea and I, I need to sort of rein it in and focus on what's at hand. I write down the other ideas for the future and then get back. <laughs> there you go. I also, I wanted to just mention that, um, I he, we heard you were working with uh, Jill Pater, who actually the photographer Jill Pater. We just had her on our show, and she highly recommended you. We just wanted to hear how that was going over there. She has a new podcast, I hear. And um, oh yes, well uh, Jill and Jill and I met through a women's uh, networking group, and we got together. And I said, I you know we should do something, and a book was born out of our relationship. And what I did was I pitched. La Fenier, which is the Michelin star restaurant. It's gluten-free, by the way, and it's located near Lumerin, in, which is a well-known little village in, in uh, Provence. And we pitched to do this, this art book about their restaurant as a tribute to the mother and daughter uh, who own the restaurant. So that started a very close friendship with Jill and myself and she was just here we did a, a video a travel and cuisine video in Marseille 
uh, which was amazing. We sort of retraced some of the footsteps of Anthony Bourdain and Eric Repair and uh, Gerald Passada, who owns the Petite Nice. So uh, that's coming out soon. And uh, Jill and I did that together as uh, another project. And we have some other ideas that, that are kind of percolating right now, but it's been a great relationship to work uh, and meet with Jill. She's an inspiring woman and uh, she's a go-getter. Yes, you'll have to listen to her podcast. It just came out for us today, which is uh, October 19th. So it's it's awesome. Well, we have really enjoyed hearing about Perfectly Provence. Now, Perfectly Provence is actually, is that a, your blog? Uh, well, Perfectly Provence is, uh, is a blog that Caroline um, Abbott-Kauser runs, and I'm a contributing editor for okay. Perfectly Provence. Yeah, I know. and it really it really keeps me in the game here in France. You know, whether I'm here or whether I'm in Los Angeles, I'm still writing recipes and writing articles. Um, so, if I'm in Los Angeles, I feel like I'm in France. Yeah, so you're I, still connected. It, I'm but still pe- connected. But people can find you on uh, your website, which is chefTasha.com. Yes, that's else? correct. And how about on um, social media? Social media, I'm Tasha Ann Powell Okay, great. on Instagram and on Facebook. And then, ladies, for the culinary tours, it's pitcher, P-I-T-C-H-E-R, and pal.com, pitcherandpal.com. And you can find all of this in our show notes on our website or on the podcast in iTunes. And that would be ladiesroadmap.com. Tasha, this has been a delight. I know I'm going to run off and get some lunch now with my mouth watering. <laughs> I know. I'm very hungry now for sure. And we are going to check out your tours, ladies. I highly recommend it. Take a look at all of Tasha's website. It's uh, It'll make you hungry, that's for sure. And we really, really have enjoyed talking to you, Tasha. Yeah. Best of luck with all your Thank projects. You. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by My Roadmap Journal, a woman's guide to encourage you to think genuinely about your life and relationships. This beautifully illustrated 176-page spiral-bound journal has been designed to awaken your inner goddess. Come on, ladies, it's time to create the life you've been thinking about. Go to ladiesroadmap.com and push shop. Would you like to hear about our recommended product of the week, Sure you would. So come on over to ladiesroadmap.com and sign up for our newsletter. It's not to be missed. You'll get our current happenings on Ladies Roadmap and Ladies Roadmap Journal. Don't forget to sign up. Thank you for listening to Ladies Roadmap. And until next week, remember, the greatest part of a road trip isn't arriving at your destination. It's all the wild stuff that happens in between. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Just go to ladiesroadmap.com and click on podcast. It's as easy as that. Or you can subscribe on iTunes. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ladies Roadmap. And you know what else? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at info at ladiesroadmap.com. We'd like to give a shout out to our amazing music producer, Cam Tyler, at litloops.com. 